0: the Holy Spirit be with us now and ever henceforth. Amen. For our brief meditation this morning hour, we will turn to the gospel according to Saint Luke and reading from the tenth chapter and beginning with verse 25. That's the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, and from the 25th verse. And the following we read in the precious name of our Lord. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law, how readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest that thou was neighbor to him, that which which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Amen. The word which we have read for our text, I'm sure, is a familiar portion of the word of God. We oftentimes read the word of God and it seems that we wonder, well, is this word really meant for me? We begin to look at the word of God almost in the light of a historical event, something that took place in history, and that we really don't need to be too, too concerned ourselves with regard to it. Well, the Word of God tells us that these things are written for our admonition, for our instruction, for our correction, for reproof, for doctrine. They're written so that we might understand what is necessary in our lives. Not only in our natural life, which the Word of God certainly addresses, but most of all our spiritual life and well-being. When we look at the Word of God here that we have before us, it tells us that a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus. Tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The word says he tempted him. In what way was he tempting Jesus? Jesus said to Peter, when Peter had Said to the Lord, Lord, these things shall never happen unto thee. The Lord told him, Get behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. The Lord had flesh and blood. It tells us that he was tempted in all things like we are tempted. Yet without sin. This statement of Peter, when Peter told him, Lord, this shall not happen unto thee, far be it from thee, it was a temptation. The Lord knew what lay before him. He knew there was the suffering and the death of the cross which he had to face. And his flesh would have desired that it would not go through that torment and that agony. In the garden of Gethsemane, on bended knee he cried, If it be possible, remove this cup from me. But nevertheless not my will but thine be done, O Lord. For for that reason I have come to this very hour for the joy that was set before him, the joy of saving your and my undying soul. He endured the cross and despised the shame. This also was a temptation unto Jesus. The lawyer tried to tempt him He knew that the Lord had spoke of grace and mercy and truth. And this lawyer was one who knew the law of that day. And we are talking now about the law of Moses that he was so well aware of and the necessity, as was thought by those that were under that law, of keeping it, every jot and tittle of that law. And by that, that a man would be righteous before God and inherit eternal life through the works of the law. And he knew that the Lord had come and that he was preaching grace, unto the sinner and not the works of the law for salvation. And so he tried to have the Lord say that the law is not sufficient and he would have reason then to accuse him. And in this wise he was tempting the Lord. And he asked the Lord, good master, What must I do to inherit eternal life? This he said, tempting him. He thought that surely the Lord will say that believe on me, and preach grace and mercy, and then he'd have reason to accuse him, that he was throwing out, as it were, the law of Moses. There's a statement, cliché if you might call it, that says if you give a fool enough rope, he will hang himself. The Lord responded in the same manner unto this lawyer. He allowed him to answer the question. He allowed him to entrap himself. It is amazing in the word that we read here, just prior to it, the 21st verse, it says, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Now in another portion of God's Word he says similar, only he expounds on it a bit and he says in this wise that having ears the disciples asked, Lord why do you speak in parables and not plainly unto us? He said for this reason, that having ears they hear not, neither do they understand. Having eyes they see not, neither do they perceive. But unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them it is not given. Having eyes they see not, having ears they hear not. He speaks of the natural ear and the literal eye, and he says they hear not, neither do they see. They're not deaf, not in a natural sense, neither are they blind naturally, but they do not hear, neither do they see. We're talking then of spiritual hearing and spiritual sight, and it is hid from the wise and the prudent, and it is revealed unto babes. Not all learned, not all scribes, will enter into the kingdom of God, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so when this lawyer tempted Jesus, Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Now this lawyer thought he knew the law very well. And surely he did that written law of Moses. For he immediately, without hesitation, begins to relate unto Jesus then he answering said thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself he summed up the law didn't he thy neighbor as thyself the lord told him that thou hast rightly said this do and thou shalt live. It's amazing, we get concerned oftentimes that well, we want to make sure that we speak of a certain sin, that somebody doesn't get away with something, we want to make sure we mention this sin or we mention that sin because we don't want that somebody would get away with a hidden sin that we haven't touched on. The Lord didn't mention any sin here. He made a statement to that man. When this lawyer said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself, the Lord merely told him, Thou hast rightly said, This do, and thou shalt live. Did the Lord tell him where he had erred? No. But he did make known to him that he hadn't fulfilled that law. And that word hit into the depth of his heart. It's very obvious. Because the next verse tells us that, and he being willing to justify himself. Now he's trying to back out of this whole thing. He, being willing to justify himself, said to the Lord, He pleads ignorance. Who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Did the Lord tell him that he hadn't fulfilled that part? He didn't, did he? You notice he didn't say anything about love toward God. But who is my neighbor? The word found its spot, because the man knew where he had erred. But rather than admit it, he pleads ignorance. He said, who's my neighbor? Well, that's exactly what the Lord wanted him to say. And now the Lord begins to explain the way of salvation onto him. <laughs> We remember that the Lord is answering the first question that the man asked and the question was what must I do to inherit eternal life that was the question and now the Lord begins to address it here and Jesus answering said a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. Who might the certain man be? Could be me. Could be you. Could be anyone Who was once in Jerusalem. When we look at the natural Jerusalem and the natural Jericho, it presents to us a spiritual picture. The natural Jerusalem was a city high on a hill and Jericho was down in the valley. And the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho it was a downward journey. And this man was leaving Jerusalem. And he was while he was on that journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, it says he fell among thieves that stripped him of his raiment. Now we're not merely talking about a natural event that took place here, but we're talking about a spiritual message for our own souls. What is that raiment that we have? What is the spiritual raiment or clothing that has been put upon us? Is it not the righteousness of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? For we read in God's word when they came back, when the prodigal came back, the servants were told bring forth the best robe and put it on him the robe of righteousness of our Lord and Savior when he left Jerusalem it was that robe that was being being stripped off of him by the thieves what thieves what thieves are it are there that desire to rob us of the righteousness which is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm sure we all are well aware of them. It's our threefold enemy that we have to deal with. The devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh that would desire to rob us of the righteousness which is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we journey from that Jerusalem, that heavenly Zion, that innumerable company of angels, out onto Jericho, then the threefold enemy has laid hold of us and begins to strip us of our raiment. It says, and it left him wounded, departing, leaving him half dead. What wounds did he have? We note that it doesn't say that he was dead, but half dead. He was dying. He was a dying man. And there were wounds there. What were the wounds that he had? I'm sure we all agree they are the wounds of sin that were inflicted unto him. And in that state with these wounds of sin he was perishing. He was outside of the city of Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, and he was on the road to destruction. And what happened? It tells us And by chance, by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he came where he was at the place, looked on him and passed by on the other side. What's represented to us with this Levite and this priest? The Lord has always addressed the people whom he's speaking to very clearly. He was speaking to the lawyer. The lawyer was a Pharisee. He was one that knew the law of that day self-righteous Pharisee that was tempting Jesus. What we see here is depicted in this priest and the Levite. The Levitical priesthood is shown unto us. The law of Moses and the distribution of it through the Levitical priesthood And when that passed by, and it looked upon this sinner, it couldn't help him. Why? Why couldn't this priest and this Levite help him? The one even looked upon the man and then passed by. Well, it portrays unto us a clear picture of the law, doesn't it? that the law cannot help a man. It knows no mercy in the law. This man knew his state. He had the wounds of sin. He was perishing. And all the law could do was open that wound. It couldn't help him to heal it. The law had its purpose though. It was to bring a person to the point where they realized they were a sinner. This man knew he was a sinner. The law could not help him. His wounds of sin were evident and he was perishing in that state. Then it tells us but a certain Samaritan As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. It's amazing that Jesus uses the illustration of the Samaritan. The Word of God tells us, you remember the woman at the well? When she went out and she was a Samaritan woman And she went out to draw water, and Jesus asked of her water. And she recognized him as being a Jew, and she said, How is it that thou, being a Jew, does ask of me, a Samaritan, water to drink? For the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans spiritual enmity, spiritual hatred. There is no greater hatred than spiritual hatred. The Jew would have rather been with the ungodly than with the Samaritan. They would have rather been with the muck and mire of their day than to be with the Samaritan. It stemmed back to the time of Solomon when the separation took place. And from that time on, the Jew had nothing to do with the Samaritan. This lawyer was a Jew, and Jesus tells him how the Jew passed by, had no compassion on the man, but a certain Samaritan came where he was. And when he saw him, He looked upon him, and he had compassion on him. Jesus refers to himself as the Good Samaritan. He told the woman at the well, if you knew who it was that asked of you water, you would ask of him, and he would give you that water that when ye drink of it, It would be a well of water springing up in you unto eternal life. Anything that is living is a moving force. It was a well of water springing up. This word of God is referred to oftentimes as the water, the word of the water of eternal life. But it's just like the the pool at Bethesda. It sat there stagnant until an angel came and troubled the water. And troubling water is moving water and when it began to move it had healing power but it was the angel that moved it. By the power of the Spirit the servant of the Lord today moves that living water so it comes alive and it has meaning unto our undying souls. The Samaritan, when he seen him, had compassion and he poured in, it says that, and he went unto him, he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Now, what's, what do we see here? We're not talking about natural wound. We're talking about the wounds of sin. And this Samaritan, who was the Lord himself, he poured in oil and wine in order to bind up the wounds of this Samaritan, that they might be healed. The oil is the oil of the Holy Spirit, and the wine depicts unto us the blood of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word says, "Unless ye drink, eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no life in you." And it is through the, and it is through the spoken word, through the audible declaration of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name and blood that the wine is applied unto our wounds, our sin wounds. And they are healed. They are bound up and healed. The wounds of sin. And he set him upon his own beast. And the morrow when he departed he took out and he went bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Now the Lord brought him to the inn. Where was the inn? It was obviously where the children of God were gathered together. For it was there that he was to be nourished. And when he came to the inn, it says, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. And he gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. What do we see pictured in this verse? The Lord, which is Jesus himself, took out two pence. He gave it to the host of that inn. We are the members of the body of Christ, and Christ is the head in particular. And we know that we all have a Father in heaven that is over us. And the Father is the host that is here spoken of in that inn, unto whom the Son has paid the two pence. And what were the two pence for? I be- believe it is for spiritual arraignment and spiritual food, for spiritual clothing and spiritual nourishment. That he had given. When the Lord paid that two pence, he had died on the middle cross of Golgotha for your and my sins. Who did he pay it to? He didn't pay it to the enemy of the soul. He paid it to the Lord. We fell through the deceitfulness of sin, And when we had fallen, because the Lord in his righteousness had demanded fulfillment of the law, and what the law could not do in that it was weak through flesh, God sending his Son in the form of sinful flesh condemned sin in the flesh, yet he himself was without sin. So that we might be made the righteousness of God through Him. And so here we see that the Lord paid the debt of sin in your and my behalf on the middle cross of Golgotha. He paid it unto the Father. And what did the Father demand of him? He demanded fulfillment of the law, obedience unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. He was obedient unto death, so that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. He paid the price so that our sin wounds might be bound up because the law was unable to help us. It had brought us to the point of death. The Apostle Paul says in this manner, Sin revived and I died. And that which I thought to be life, I found to be unto death. What he thought was life was the works of the law and in that righteousness of the law he thought that he was pleasing unto God. But what I thought to be life I found to be unto death for sin taking occasion by the commandment slew me. O wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from this body of death? But I thank God through Christ Jesus and so he goes on and says that he is freed from the law of sin and death being a curse unto him and he has come unto the marvelous grace of God through Christ Jesus. Be no longer therefore entangled with the yoke of bondage but stand in the free grace of God through our Lord and Savior. He paid the extreme price. And the Lord, Jesus himself, was so caring and loving for your and my soul that he told the innkeeper, he told the host, and whatsoever you spend more. Can you imagine? This one who has paid the extreme price in our behalf whatsoever you spend more when I come again I will repay thee if it was necessary the Lord himself would once again go through that same agony in our behalf has the enemy of the soul ever told you that the Lord does not care. The Lord does not hear your prayers. He does not love you. Beloved, he is a liar. For the word even makes known unto us that if it was required of God that his son should once again suffer in our behalf, he would do it. But the Lord will not ask of his Son anymore. Why? Because the curse of the law has been taken away. We have become before him as saints, fulfillers of the law through Christ Jesus. And the curse of that law therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so he continues, and he asked unto this lawyer, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. Who was neighbor to him that fell among thieves? The man had asked, who is my neighbor? But he previously asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus put him at the place where he couldn't Deny who his neighbor was. He put him at the place where sin was revealed as sin. The man did not even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He said, I suppose he who had showed mercy on him. Jesus answered, and Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. What did he tell him to do? He didn't tell him that go and be a neighbor to the Samaritan. He told him to do what the Samaritan did. He said, I suppose he that showed mercy on him. He said, go thou and do likewise. And that's how he would have treasure in heaven. That's what he must do to inherit eternal life. What was he telling him to do? The Samaritan poured in oil and wine to bind up the wounds of the sinner. He was telling this Pharisee, this self-righteous Jew, to do the same thing. But he couldn't. Why couldn't he? because he hadn't received it himself he was telling him he first had to be a beggar of grace freely you have received freely give go and do thou likewise bind up the wounds of the sin sick show compassion on them by binding up their wounds pouring in oil and wine the lawyer was left at the place where his sin was revealed. The law had done its work in the heart of the lawyer. He was trapped in his own words. He was not able to be pleasing unto God through works of his own righteousness. The Lord did not tell him that just go and be a friend unto the Samaritan and then you will inherit eternal life. Because if that's what he told him, then by the works of the law would flesh be justified in the sight of God. But the word says contrary to that, that by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. But he told him, go and be merciful. Seek mercy yourself, that you might be merciful unto others. May God grant unto us such grace and mercy, that we also might be able to pour out oil and wine unto the sin-sick wounds of all of mankind that we ourselves have been a partaker of his grace and mercy through Christ Jesus. So we also can freely give. And even this morning hour as we are gathered here around his word, we have the free possibility if we are burdened with sin, the cares of this life are weighing us down. We can believe are many sins, shortcomings, transgressions forgiven in Jesus' name and precious atoning blood. And if, beloved, the enemy of the soul has such a hold upon you that you cannot believe, then seek out a brother or sister in whom you can put your trust. Pour out your heart unto them that you might hear for your own soul that glorious gospel message be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. In Jesus' name and precious atoning blood. To this end, may the dear heavenly Father richly bless the reading of his word into our hearts. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Let us humble our hearts before God and receive the benediction. Now may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have a thank you note for reading to you. Lord. For everyone, we are so
1: very thankful for all of you for your kindness and your generosity to us during this hard time. Thank you for the beautiful Father who helped us so much. Know we have so many people caring and praying for us. We hope you, you all will be blessed blessed richly for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, of God's peace. Doug and Patty are home. next Tuesday night, there will be Bible time at John and Colleen, next Sunday, the Sunday school at 10 there are is at 11. During these services, there are a few of us that are going to depart for Canada. And uh, so we will do that in your care uh, all Now we. I'm going to be gone as well. Huh? I'm going to be gone as well. That's what I mean. Right. Well, that's up to the board. You uh, arrange whatever they're arranging. Well, I I feel that's... Uh, okay, the board is going to be left behind, with them the picture. And now I ask, like, to know if we can be greetings from the small box to the brothers and sisters in the out there. Now, in closing, which is Psalm sixty-two, and during the summer we carry a few options of the Benedictine congregation. Now, we did get a call from uh, the Johansons on some property, which we want to thank them for notifying us. There's some land available, which we looked on, and uh, it's been now to the point that it's, there isn't any alleged possibility that he would purchase that uh, property. And see if we
0: can get our own building. (laughs) Correct. Well, before we um, before we close, um, we did go with Mark and Linda to uh, to see Dougie and uh, Patty, and they are incurring quite a bit of expenses quite a bit and there has been a lot of people that have been blessing them with with different gifts and so on and they're very very thankful for it are they still up at the hospital do you know how is the child doing since Sun last Sunday still still uh, sedated and so there's no progress in that way at all huh I think if it, you know, if it continues much longer, we certainly should consider taking another collection and and sending it out to them because I'm sure they can use it. And um, they have certainly themselves come a lot closer to the Lord than they ever have before, and they realize the need of having a Savior to cling to, and maybe. That's the reason God has to put them through the trials that he does at this time. We don't know, but there's obviously a reason for it, and they need our prayers, and they need our financial support as well.